let's get ready for some serious shift. This is a podcast, Shifting Inside Out, hosted by your quantum shifter, Angie McCourt. We are diving into ways to empower and enable a quantum shift. Inspiring topics, hacks, and guest speakers take us on a journey around authenticity, challenging status quo, personal power, and living a purpose-filled life. episode, we are going to have a conversation with Linda Rendelman about authentic servant leadership. Linda's going to share her journey and, you know, what she's gone through in her evolution of true authentic servant leadership. What's interesting about the conversation is, is she really dives in how ego and fear-based ego can impact how leaders show up and how they can actually match the evolution and revolution of authenticity in the workplace going on at the individual level. What's really interesting about her journey is the fact that the key components she's found to be the most humbling as well as effective in true authentic servant leadership, not the fake servant leadership, is putting the team first. It's that simple. It's showing compassion, it's showing empathy, but also being really clear on expectations. And this is where I think it's that line where people aren't quite sure how to do both. You know, you can still actually hold people accountable, but yet show empathy and compassion for them. It's a really great episode. I also love the fact that she really emphasizes the need for starting the conversation and for people really, you know, putting that expectation out there of their leadership. I've known Linda for a couple of decades. It's been an amazing opportunity to watch her journey as well. She's been a great mentor to me over the years and an amazing friend. Get ready for an episode that really starts to showcase how we shift from the age of intelligence to the age of self and spirituality. Also, stay tuned for the end of the episode where you can check out Linda's recommendations, which are absolutely amazing. I think you're going to love them. Welcome, Linda, to Shifting Inside Out. I'm so grateful to have you on this episode. To get started, why don't you introduce yourself? Thank you so much, Angie, for having me on your podcast. I was thrilled when you reached out and asked me to participate. I'm so passionate about uh, the topic. So first of all, just say my name is Linda Rindelman. I like to tell everyone I'm a simple girl from Southeast Missouri. Uh, Not that simple in the slow way, but just that, you know, I'm very pragmatic. I like to think that back to basics is how generally you can make great progress on many things, despite how complicated they are. In fact, the more complicated, the more back to basics uh, work best. Uh, I also am currently a vice president at Microsoft for our uh, device partner solution sales team for North America. And I'm just happy to be here today. Thank you. Very good. All right. We're going to do a quick round of questions just so the audience can get to know you. So what is your morning ritual? So my morning routine is probably the most important part of my day because it's really the dedication to myself. 
and uh, spirit. I would say I, I try to every day have some kind of mind, body, um, spirit connection. And so the spirit and the body happen in the morning. I wake up this year. I've been really into understanding and better educating myself on the bhakti yoga philosophy. And so uh, there is a podcast actually that I started listening to back in March and they do a daily zoom dial in for the podcast. It's at 5 AM. So I wake up and I attend that from five to six and then I go out and I work out for about 75 minutes and then I come back. I do some meditation for 15 minutes and then I start getting ready for my work day. So that's my morning routine. I love it. And that does take discipline. And I think um, it probably gives you the good energy for the day, keeps you going longer, starts your day right. It's just fantastic. I love it. And I definitely want to hear the um, podcast name, too, yeah. if you can send that yeah. to me. Yeah, I'll share so, that for sure. How do you renew your energy? So my renewing my energy really comes from that same morning routine, but really throughout the day that I talked about. Renewing my energy gets harder as I get older. <laughs> um, but what I've learned is that I really have to make time and space for stillness. My, my life is very, very busy. And there are some days where I feel like that morning time, those few hours in the morning is really the only time that I have for me. So I make sure that I'm very purposeful about how I spend my time. And I've not always been that way. I've become much better at setting boundaries, connecting with people that I really want to have, you know, um, deeper connections with rather than broadening my scope of people that I that I'm connected to. Um, and, you know, things like hobbies that I really enjoy, like reading or getting out for exercise or um, meditating and trying to build my meditation practice this year, just taking care of myself and knowing that I'm committed to taking care of myself. Um, in fact, this year is the year I'm I've realized when I got frustrated with myself about like not feeling like I was making as much progress as I wanted to. I'm like, actually, I don't know anyone that's as committed to themselves as much as me. Like, I will not give up. Um, so I think just making sure that I continue to do that and do it in ways that really help me feel um, connected to spirit and my and and that helps renew me. Oh, fantastic. I love it. What is your guilty pleasure? Well, interestingly enough, after I just said all those wonderful things about taking care of myself, one of my real guilty pleasures is I lived for four years in the UK. And one of the things that I, I've always loved kind of soap opera like TV, and they have a nighttime soap there called EastEnders. And fortunately, when I moved back to the US, or unfortunately, I wasn't able to get it for a while. And now I'm able to, with the BritBox app, watch it on the same day, just as if I were still living in the UK. So um, four days a week, I'm able to tune into EastEnders. And that makes me feel like I'm, you know, doing something that maybe otherwise could be spent in a way that was contributed more to, you know, whatever, but it is my guilty pleasure for sure. That's awesome. I love it. And I, and I love the fact that technology has now allowed you to be able to, to experience that real time. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Yeah, absolutely. So today, um, one of the things that I wanted to kick us off with is, um, you know, kind of this revolution and, and this need that people are 
feeling and seeing around authenticity. And it's not just um, at home or in the community, but truly in the workplace, being able to show up their authentic self, their true self, being able to speak their truth, um, being able to contribute and collaborate and be part of um, the team and the organization as themselves and not as what maybe used to be expected. And it's interesting because I feel like with with COVID, it's really opened up a lot of opportunity for people to plant their feet in the ground and say, this is who I am and not be afraid to do that anymore. Um, everything kind of changed, you know, as far as the stakes around most people on video calls and, and um, at the same table, if you want to call it that, right? Um, versus some people being in a corporate office and others being remote, um, not really having that same type of table to be at. And it's interesting because as, you know, the individuals and, and management teams want to show up as their authentic self, I think leaders are really going to have to shift the way they've been leading. And this is where I would love to get your thoughts on you know, what do you think around, you know, this space of authentic, true authentic leadership and what will it take? And and, and is it all good um, or is there this kind of process that we're going to have to go through? And just, you know, what do you think might hold us back from that? Sure. So I love this topic. First of all, I feel like I've really grown as an authentic servant leader, I would say over the last five years even, which is interesting because I've been in the technology channel for 30 years and I've been in leadership positions for probably at least 12 to 15 years of that, give or take, depending varying levels of seniority, et cetera. Uh, and I've really only gotten this concept of true authentic servant leadership in the last five years, I would say. The main reason for that is because I would, I think that people's ego, which to me, I'll just kind of define ego as I know it, which is a sense of personal identity based on how we believe we are perceived by others. So, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, it's my pride, you know, my pride is my ego. Well, that's probably because you're thinking about this is how people see me. And so I've got to maintain this perception and you start to worry about, you know, making sure that that's maintained versus this is how I truly believe and feel. And I'm going to act from this instead. Uh, I came from my ego for a very, I didn't even realize, I think that my ego was separate from my authentic self. And I've always been a person that was um, the same with everyone. So, I mean, one of the, I think one of my best qualities is people who know me well will tell you that it doesn't matter who I'm talking to or who I'm meeting with. You get the same Linda Rindleman that you get. And, and I'm the same, that's, that same simple girl from Southeast Missouri. Um, but I had doubts, huge doubts and uh, learned what imposter syndrome was, which I think at the heart is, comes from ego because you know, imposter syndrome for anyone who doesn't know is the fear that if someone, you know, you've had success in your career, but you don't really believe you've earned it. You think that you've gotten lucky. You think that it's kind of been right time, right place. And that if anybody scratches below the surface, they will think, oh, wow, what is she doing here? Because, you know, she's not really as good as anybody thinks she is. And of course, that's not true. But like, 
I really genuinely believe that. I didn't even have the words to explain imposter syndrome, but the first time I heard about it, I was like, oh my goodness, that's exactly how I felt. It feels so good to know that other people have felt that way also. And then, you know, I started to understand that I have that because I'm so concerned about being judged mm -hmm. and judgment comes from ego. Mm -hmm. And my concern about being judged was, are others perceiving me in the way that I want them to be perceiving me and, and potentially could they not be? And just as I put those kind of connected those dots, I realized mm, I'm a little more judgmental than I want to be. And when I stop being that, I stop feeling judged mm -hmm. because I'm kind of eliminating, I'm, 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 I'm discontinuing coming from that place of ego and it really felt miraculous now that didn't stop necessarily some other things that i had going on uh, but it really helped me feel more confident in my leadership capabilities and and what i brought to the table and knowing that you know i had the capability to be a true authentic servant servant leader which to me is being who i am but thinking about the team first thinking about the team before i'm thinking about pleasing my boss or mm -hmm. pleasing my customer or things like that doing what i know is right even if it's not the you know looked upon thing to do um and making sure that uh you know i'm thinking more about others before i'm thinking about myself so that has really, you know, I think in, in the last role I was in um, before I came to Microsoft in the current role, two and two really kind of came together for me with that. And I still struggled with it sometimes, like looking for external validation or things like that. But what I cared about most was the connections with my team mm -hmm. and making sure that my team was connecting as well and that we felt we had a common mission, a common purpose, and that everybody could show up as themselves and be themselves and that that was welcomed and valued. So I, I don't know that it feels like I kind of went a little bit all over the place there, but it's been a real journey for me and going from kind of that place of ego to not worrying about ego and coming from authenticity is really stop worrying about how you're perceived by others and just worry about living true to your own values. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right. I think um, as leaders, they have to show up that way as well. And, you know, it's, it's, if you're going to support authenticity, you have to also be authentic. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. um, and, and, and also I think you you brought up such a great point about ego and the fact that, you know, it's, it's not something that we all recognize um, and isolate separate from authenticity, meaning it's something that we can actually say, uh, we can change this. We right. can change our approach. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because I've done a lot of um, research on judgment and you're so right. Judging ourselves and judging others. And it's something we literally do every single day if we're not aware that we're doing it. And typically expectations and ego drive a lot of that. And it's interesting because... I think for leaders coming into this new kind of opportunity and new environment, there's real, they're really going to have to listen for 
the language that's used. Yeah. Um, they're going to have to help break some of the old habits and patterns that teams yeah. might have. Um, but also, you know, it's that, you know, giving of themselves, but also supporting the team in that um, overall journey is going to be super important. Do, do you think that there are pros and cons then from leading from this space of true authentic leadership? Yeah, I don't know that I would call it pros and cons, but I think that there are things that people have to look out for because you said it best, like you got to really come from an authentic place to get people to be vulnerable enough to show up in an authentic place and people will sniff it out. Like you can't talk the talk and then never have uh, a conversation with somebody and never show care and concern for them or who they are, what they care about. Right. Um, because they just, people won't open up. And if you want to inspire vulnerability, you got to show up and be vulnerable. I mean, Brene Brown talks about that in a brilliant way. Um, but there are things when you do that, that you have to know are going to happen. One is people that are really coming from their ego. You will trigger the heck out of them. Mm -hmm. Um, because they will feel not feel comfortable to be vulnerable. Um, because they want to maintain the perception of what they've created. They maybe don't have the confidence in, in who they are without that perception. And so sometimes you have people that will really um, disengage and think, start to deflect and, and say, oh, you know, for whatever all of these reasons, I'm not able to uh, do what I want to do here. I'm not supported in whatever way. And so they may, you know, look to do something else. They may really push back and, 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 you know, again, think that they're not being supported because they're not being supported in a way that maybe they've been in the past when they've been in the kind of that typical hierarchical, um, you know, organizational structure where if you can kind of manage up, then you can do well, regardless of how, Uh, you're doing managing down. And, you know, as 360s have become more important and things that have helped, you know, give leaders feedback on how they're being perceived by their team. Although, you know, that perception, you could say, okay, well, that's, that's still an external perception, but where there are themes, you got to take that into serious consideration. Because I think that you want to be authentic, but you want to also inspire and influence and, and and feel truly connected and the more feedback you can get to ensure that that's landing in the right way the better and then you can address the areas where it's maybe instead of inspiring it's triggering because again you're making people feel uncomfortable who don't like to be vulnerable who don't like to show aside who don't have the confidence in who they are are authentically because they that's maybe not what has gotten them they feel to the success that they have today uh, in the organization. And so, um, you know, so it's uncomfortable. And and, you know, in my experience, you got to lead from a place of love. And I'm not when I say love, I don't mean romantic love, but like compassion and uh, generosity and empathy and understanding and realizing that it's not about you as the leader, it's about supporting them. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter uh, what's happening, but trying to help kind of bring some realization to that and introduction to some of these concepts that might be new 
is really what's important because if you can have a shift for someone that can make a huge impact, not just in their work life, but in their personal life. I mean, the, the beauty of being authentic is that you're you, no matter wherever you go, there you are. Um, and so when you make a change, it's one of the beautiful, beautiful things about really having the time to work on yourself, doing kind of career development, in in generating from an authentic place is when you come from a more authentic place, you are just being yourself all the time. And so you don't have to think about um, being someone else and and uh, coming from that place. Now, you still have to have words matter and you still have to have respect for, you know, um, organizational responsibility and things like that. But I'm a believer you can say anything that needs to be said as long as you position it in the right way mm-hmm. and you don't come from an emotional place. And when you separate it as it being something personal, which is also comes from ego, then you can pretty much be non-emotional about any topic. Right. So th- those are some of maybe the things you have to look out for. I think the beauty is, again, like I said, you can be yourself all the time. You never have to worry about that. You can be more at peace because when you are triggered and you feel irritated, that is a trigger to your ego. And so if you can look at everyone else's behavior as that is their stuff and this is my stuff, like uh, then you can address things without necessarily taking it personally or feeling irritated or, or disturbed by that. Um, That's a big pro and it's very hard to do. And I'm not successful at all of this on every single day, every minute of the day. This is a continuous learning process for me. And it's, I just am blown away by how, when you purposefully and intentionally apply these concepts, it literally will change your life. Yes. And I, I love the fact that um, you talk about compassion and empathy, um, because that that's one of the things that I think maybe frustrated so many people during the COVID, the pandemic, is that the true colors of their leadership came out, right? Not connected, not really caring that they're trying to struggle dealing with, you know, kids at home and homeschooling and needing a flexible schedule and things like that. I think, you know, the the compassion part was really blown wide open, um, whether or not the leader had it or not. And I think that's um, definitely such an important piece, such a key piece. And when you show compassion and you show that you really tra- genuinely care, not just a fake care, because <laughs> people right. see right through that. It really does build trust. It opens things up. It allows the safe space for people to really, truly show up authentically. Um, One of the things that I I also loved about what you were saying is when you think about, you know, kind of the managing up, a lot of us, you know, we learned how to do that, right? And it was a survival thing and it was to get somebody off our back and it was to keep Mm -hmm. them in their own box, right? It was to keep them predictable. Mm -hmm. It was to keep our time manageable. So we felt like we were in more control. But ultimately, you know, some of it also comes from fear. And when you think about a couple of maybe the limitations that I I would say individuals and leadership are going to struggle with are the fears that maybe are assumed or that are truly imposed by senior leadership. And that's something that 
is going to take a while to work through. And it's something that I don't know every senior leadership team is going to be able to really break through that with their, you know, middle management layer and, and executive layer. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so it's interesting because I think that in general, and again, this is a very general statement. I know it doesn't apply in every single situation, but I find people are more empowered than they think that they are. Yes. That there is an opportunity to come to a compromise in some way, shape or form, even if you are in the most structured you know, hierarchical organization that when you focus on the things you can control and you come to, you know, um, a situation from a place of compromise that people are very open to that. I mean, I, you know, I would say the people who come to me and are like, this process really stinks and here's the way I think we should do it. It's a, it's a very different conversation than when people say, this is terrible and there's nothing we can do and and kind of are leaving it, you know, for the solution finding all to be with me. I love to, you know, get information from people on what they think the solution will be. And so I think that regardless of the organization, you still have to find, again, I'm very big on like, your, your values are your values. The best thing to do in, in order to be authentic, whether you're an authentic leader or just an authentic member of a team, is to make sure you're working for an organization that you have shared values with. That eliminates a lot of problems off of the top. Then if you're still set up in a structure where you feel like you're limited in terms of what can be done, think about what you do have control over, right? And understand what the processes are for, you know, gaining approval or or having the opportunity to just float ideas outside of, you know, the normal structure and, you know, and make sure that that's happening and that you are, you know, coming from that place of, we have some great ideas and we want to make sure that we're sharing that and how can we do more of that? And I think that the more people show up that way and the more leaders show up that way, um, the stronger performing teams that we will have. And you said it, Angie, I mean, trust is at the core of every high performing team. And the more you can build trust for openness, inclusion of voice, ideas shared from everyone, uh, firm but fair in terms of uh, understanding clarity. Clarity is so important. Uh, if you're not clear on, you know, what your mission or vision of even your team is, then there can be confusion about, you know, how people can show up or when they should show up or or what those kinds of things are. It just gives people so much more freedom to then feel empowered to say, OK, I know what the framework here is. I know what I'm working with. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to feel like I can come with my best with my best self and regardless of what kind of that structure is. And what I would say at the end of the day is, you know, it's not so easy to always make this decision. But if I were truly miserable somewhere, I would immediately be looking for something else. Because I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, you 
your life is so much more fulfilling when you feel you can just be yourself. And we all spend the majority of our time at work. And if you feel as though, you know, you can't be at work, then seek out leaders that you show, you know, that demonstrate themselves as authentic leaders that are looking for, you know, teams that want to show up in their own authentic way, be empowered, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, work hard to try to align in an organization that will support that. Oh, that's beautiful. I love it. Um, you know, as as structures within organizations also continue to shift, right? Because there is a lot of old hierarchical ways of, of structuring companies now either flattening out or moving to more matrix organizations. I think this is where the ego has to go. <laughs> Because otherwise, it's not going to be successful. We see it with territory grabbing and protecting in the hierarchical structures. You can't do that in those other types of structures. It won't work. Collaboration has got to be key. Connection and, and alignment across the organization and not this is my team type of mentality. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Like how that well, plays I, a role? I totally agree. And I think that's why, you know, you've got to make sure if you are a leader of leaders, you've got to make sure that you have the fortitude to ensure that everyone is singing from that same song sheet, because um, it is going to take everybody to shift and change an organization to come from that more authentic leadership style. And it can't be that you've had, you know, you have a few leaders that are all about it. And then you've got a couple of leaders that are really kind of sabotaging the success of the broader team. That's why I say you've got to have that fortitude to like really say, this is what we're all about. And some people will need support and development in these areas so that they can feel more comfortable to show up and still have the strength. I think the, the big misnomer about authenticity is that if I don't pretend to be this person that I've been, I'm not going to have the strength of character to have the success that I've had up to this point. Um, and I just think that's not true. I think that there is real authenticity in most people. It's the fear disguised in ego that has them act in ways that actually sabotage that authenticity. Mm -hmm. And then it can actually, you know, it can, derail the whole. So in, very important for the tone to be set from the top. And I yeah. think um, because otherwise it's very hard to shift and change organizationally to really have that be representative of your culture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's beautiful. Um, you know, the other thing I was thinking as you were, you were saying that is when you think about the fact that, you know, someone may not think they're showing up as their authentic self. They've been in this, they've been wearing this mask, right? And they've gotten to this certain point and they base it off of that mask. The way I look at it is I feel like we're shortchanging ourselves by not. Right. So what could you have actually done if you had right. shown up fully as your authentic self? Because I feel like that's where we can do, we can bring the most, we can be the most, and we can also be happy. So it's more sustainable in that environment. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really interesting, though, to to think about um, the fact that people struggle with, you know, well, wait, I've had this certain mask I've worn. That's how I've gotten to this place. But in reality, it's okay. But if you showed up authentically, could you have gone further? 
Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. And I think that's, that's, you know, you've got the opportunity at the time you, the awareness is created in you at the time it's created. Like, and so I think that we're lucky that we're living in an age where we have vocabulary of these things that we did not have. I think about, you know, our careers 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, a lot of this vocabulary did not exist. And so these are still somewhat new, fresh concepts. And fortunately, I think that, uh, you know, with just the change in the world and how we operate and, you know, the increased innovation in technology and social media and all of that, um, you know, it's a struggle to continue to come from that place of authenticity and still represent in a way when you've got those old default mechanisms of showing up sometimes in in ways that it feels natural to you, but it's not really necessarily coming from the true authentic you and the way that if you had a blank sheet of paper, how would you draw it up? Um, it's a constant struggle. And as I said, I'm not perfect and I don't, you know, I make mistakes every day. I think one of the big uh, and very important things is to, when you recognize, when you're when you're coming from a place of authentic leadership, one of the things, a couple of the things that are important are one, to, to be open about the fact that you don't have all the answers, right? Um, and nobody does. So the good news is we'll figure this out together. And one of the strengths of, I think, really good leaders is that you look to hire people that are actually better than you so that um, you've got, you know, it's, it's the whole concept of diversity and inclusion. It's like you pick people that, you know, have diverse backgrounds and strengths in areas that you don't, you broaden your capabilities, you create that multiplier effect. And, and then you just have to, you know, also say and recognize and be willing to be vulnerable to say, hey, I should have done this better. And I've learned from this. And next time I will show up in a different and better way. And that can be a struggle because sometimes you think, is this person, you know, not everybody operates from a place of um, genuineness or desire for everyone to succeed. There are some people who come from a place of like, they're all about them and they, they will look for opportunities to, you know, promote their agenda or, or point out where other people struggle because they feel like showing weaknesses in other people make them stronger. I am not a believer in those things. And so, you know, you got to come with a strength of knowing that me saying I'm sorry and recognizing where I can do better is me being authentic and showing vulnerability. And if others don't handle that in a way that I love or would prefer, then that's okay. Like I'm good with who I am and how I'm showing up. And that's what's important to me. And I think on the whole, it has a greater effect on the people and the team that I lead. And so therefore, you know, you feel good and strong and want to keep doing it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yes. So it's so true. And I think, you know, it doesn't matter if others accept it. It's, it's right. that you showed up the way you want to show up. Set in yes. your values, your beliefs, and and who you want to be, and that's the most important thing. And it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. <laughs> totally, one of the best pieces of it wasn't really a, advice; it was more of a statement. But it's one of the most profound things I've been told by a former leader of mine. He said, "Linda, leadership isn't about people liking you all the time." 
And in fact, if you're doing it well, you're probably going to have people that aren't liking you uh, at any given point in time. There are going to be people that feel frustrated, that they feel you may be doing the right thing for someone and they may see it as you are not supporting them because they're so zoomed in to the, the how something's affecting them specifically and not zoomed out to the bigger picture. They may always think that you never supported them. And you may have to just rest in the fact and knowing that, hey, when you take all these things into consideration, I was supporting them in the best way that I believe for them and for the broader organization. And you just have to accept that. You have to accept that not everybody's going to like me all the time. And I'm okay with that because the most important thing for authenticity, I think, is that I like me. And really, Mm -hmm. for the first time in my 51 years, for the last probably three or four years, I can say I really like who I am. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what's really made me probably the best and most authentic leader I've ever been in my career. Okay, we have to close on that because that was beautiful. (laughs) That was so inspiring. Thank you. I, I love the topic. This is definitely a topic that needs more, I would say, energy around. And I know you're doing that as well um, outside of here. So I appreciate that. And um, hopefully people start to start the conversations at work. Yeah. And you don't have to be a leader to start the conversation. You can be on a yeah. team and say, let's start the conversation with our leader. Um, yeah. And I think that that is, um, that's the start. That's how we kick things off. Don't make assumptions that it's going to happen, like drive it. Um, and so I love that. Okay, I have a question for you. Um, do okay. you have any call outs that you would like to share? Could be a company, organization, book, a website, an app. Something sure. that you would like to promote or, or give a give a shout out to the audience. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's, you know, maybe it's not for everyone. But like I said, I've really gotten into this kind of bhakti yoga philosophy because it is about harmonizing the mind. And, you know, strength in how I show up every day, I feel is in me doing that. Yoga is a practice which um, empowers one to overcome the obstacle of the mind for the purpose of the self, experiencing its own true nature. And that's mm-hmm. what this bhakti yoga philosophy has taught me. Funny enough, I've, I've, I've been practicing the philosophy off the mat and have only recently started actually doing asana, which is the, the physical practice of yoga on the mat. So um, I tune in every day for this amazing podcast called Wisdom of the Sages. Um, it's hosted by two former uh, monks that lived as monks. Actually, one of them was um, a punk rocker who turned uh, Hindu monk and, um, and now is, uh, you know, still then left and joined a band again or started a band again. He's done a lot of amazing things, but it's an absolutely brilliant podcast. I love it. And, uh, so if you're into that kind of thing, I highly suggest wisdom of the sages. You can find it anywhere. Podcasts, uh, are found. Um, the other thing I would recommend a book that I read multiple times a year is the four agreements. Um, and I'm blanking on Don Miguel, Don Luis, Luis. Miguel, Miguel Luis. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so he's the author. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. It's a great, you know, back to basics reminder for me of like, don't take things personally. Don't make assumptions. Always do your best. 
And I can't remember what the fourth thing is now off the top of my head. I'm sure I, I'm having a middle-aged moment and blanking. But anyway, it's um, it's absolutely fantastic. And it's a great reminder to me to, um, you know, again, get my mind right. And that's that, that book is great. The other thing I want to point out is October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And I'm very passionate about a local organization to St. Petersburg, Florida, where I live called CASA, which means Community Action Stops Abuse. They are a fantastic organization, which um, I've served on the board for in the past. Um, now I'm just a full on supporter, uh, but they offer you know, shelter services for Pinellas County, which is the county I live in, um, as well as hotline services, preventative services, et cetera. And the thing about domestic violence, and sometimes some people feel more comfortable calling it domestic abuse, is that it's not socioeconomic. It is not ethnic. It happens to everyone, and it's more prevalent in our society than anyone would ever imagine. Um, and so, you know, whether you support this organization or another domestic violence organization, you know, I highly encourage people who want to be active in their community and supporting the community um, to look into what their local organization is and help support that as, you know, uh, again, it's, it's awareness month this month. Um, and I think a lot of times, things happen in that are relative to domestic violence and the media doesn't call it what it is. And so, you know, we hear about like murder suicides and et cetera, and it's never called domestic violence and people don't put that together, but it's, it's, it's very much true. Um, and those organizations are doing amazing work for every community. So I want to call that out to say support that as well. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much, Linda. Um, I really enjoyed this session. I think the topic is is definitely forward thinking, and it's it's something that is really revolutionizing um, where we've been, where we're going. Um, I think that um, the more people that can bring awareness within organizations, the more conversations that can get started around this, and just you know, bringing to light, not talk, not keeping it down in the shadows anymore, which is where I feel like authenticity has been, um, and being an authentic leader is definitely uh, necessary for our future. So, thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you, Linda Rendleman. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me, Angie McCourt. Thank you. <laughs>